And now, from beyond our dimension, this is the Jeff Mara Podcast. Here's Jeff. My guest is Vina, United States Air Force veteran and world traveler, who during her near-death experience was taken to another realm by a being who identified itself as her guide. Vina, thank you for joining me and welcome. Thanks for having me, Jeff. Well, Vina, if you don't mind, let's start on the day that it happened and go from there. Sure, sure. I had um, my parents, um, who weren't travelers themselves, saw fit to send me on a high school trip to Italy. Uh, My dad is half Sicilian. And so it sort of seemed kind of fitting that, you know, hey, I could, they could send me to Italy. And they did. And I was very excited about going. And the day we got there, I had been suffering from lack of sleep due to the excitement of going. And then, of course, who sleeps on the plane ride? I didn't. Um, It was a pretty long one, but I couldn't sleep. Still too excited. And when I got there, I foolishly took a bunch of those, you know, those no-dose pills. Back then, it was no-dose Caffeine pills, straight caffeine. But I took a bunch of them, not just Mm -hmm. one or two. Um, As a matter of fact, when I took it at the airport, took them at the airport, I had so many in my mouth that a few of them fell out. Uh, I'll never forget this at the uh, water fountain that I was taking them. That's how many I had in my mouth. Um, And I took some vitamins. And then we all got loaded onto the uh, bus that was to take us to our hotel. And after about, I don't know, 10, 15 minutes sitting on the bus, sort of just halfway leaning over, I started to hear my heart race. And it raced like really loud in my ears. um, And it started going super fast. And it did that for a good minute, minute and a half. And then it did the opposite. It just completely started slowing down. And you could hear it just boom, 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 boom. And to this day, Jeff, I can remember the exact moment it just stopped beating completely. Um, And as soon as it stopped, my eyes were shut at the time, but as soon as it stopped, my spirit just popped right out of my body. And I was literally facing myself although when you're in a like a spiritual form you sort of have an omnidirectional view of things so I saw not only myself laying halfway there on the bench on the bus but I could see everyone on the bus I could see the highway I could see the mount there were mountains uh, we were going past I could see all the cars I kind of saw everything to a very minute detail. Um, And not only did I see everything, but I was looking at everything. Everything had an energy pattern to it. There was energy coming from the people on the bus, outside, the cars, everything, Um, except for me, my poor body, uh, had very little energy coming from it. And I, you know, I guess because I was basically dead. Um, but that was the actual moment when I came out. And I had no clue that I was dead because, I mean, you, you, I felt so alive. You're just so alive. You're so cognizant of so much. Um, you're seeing so much and you feel light, lighter than a feather. Well, you don't feel anything, but you're, you're like a, a bubble, I guess, that can just go anywhere. So that's basically um, what happened. Foolishness to the extreme. When you described everything as having energy, would you say there was like a glow around everything or how would you describe that? 
there was glows around some um, things, like some of the people on the bus, they had a glow, but it wasn't all like a beautiful glow. Some of them were angry and you could see that by the energy because it was very fragmented. Um, the Some of the drivers on the highway, you could tell they were driving in a lunatic type fashion. They were angry and, and rushing. Their energy uh, was very chaotic also. Um, you do see colors to the energy, but they're they're all merged together. Like the colors are not separate or distinct. They're they're merged into uh I don't know the best way to describe it. Um thinking back, it's like I guess a tie-dye shirt. Mm -hmm. Um, you know how you mix all the colors in the tie-dye? That's kind of how this energy um, appears, but it was energy. Everything had an energy feel to it. Even the hardware on the bus, which I understood afterwards, how this material world appears to us as solid and condensed, but it's really not. It's energy put together in different ways, in different densities, in different um, um, in different uh, it's like some some of the energy is more condensed than others. And I had I describe a scene um, or, or something I normally did when I was uh, on the bus at home going to high school, I would always put my hand on the metal bar at the front of the bus when I was getting ready to go off. I tried to do that subconsciously with my non-physical body and I just kept going through it. It just kept going through it. I couldn't grasp it at all. So even though that metal bar was solid, and there was energy coming from it, it still was not solid enough or I was not solid at that time to grasp it. I, that's kind of the best way I can describe it. I hope that makes sense. It does. Do you feel that our energy realm, the way it is, is something that's naturally occurring or perhaps created by God? Or do you feel like this is some kind of computerized construct that's made for us? One thing is I learned, I learned being, because after uh, my guy took me, we went right to the white, what I describe as a white realm. Let's stop there for one second, because let's just, we never really got to how your guide showed up. How did your guide come into this experience? Oh, okay. Um, after I had um, kind of observed my body lying there, very little energy, if any, coming from it. Um, and then I tried to go to the front of the bus, like I said, and grasp that metal bar, couldn't do it. The bus driver started cursing at the traffic. And you don't hear, I didn't hear him, but the energy patterns of his anger and and the vibrations of him speaking that's what i heard with non physical ears but anyway i he it drew me to him and after i saw a bunch of stuff about him um that i don't know if i wanted to see uh but i i was able to see so much about him a presence touched my spiritual form and when I say touched it it's the presence overlaid my spiritual form with its spiritual form which was my guy they identified themselves as my guy and they were androgynous they had no sex um, and did not give me a name which I 
was told why later, but um, they took me to the white realm. And I, I was, I still wanted to answer your question um, as far as, you know, is it a computer simulation or was it God or whatever? I learned two major things. God is not a one being. It's like the source of everything. This here, you and I sitting here, um, everything out in space and beyond and all the dimensions and all the different densities that exist. That is all God. Like that, that's the omnipresent source. There wasn't, there isn't, I did not see one source. And as far as a computer simulation, no, it, it <clears throat> there's no like master computer um, simulation that I saw. However, I was shown that the the soul or or the spiritual realm. Remember, it, I said it contains this this density, this third density, and every other density. Density that is the the thing that orchestrates all this that we see and experience. Um, that's what I saw. You were with your guide and you went to the white realm. Then what happened? Yes, it took me to the white realm. I didn't see a tunnel or a light. It was a realm and it was the most beautiful, peaceful, pure realm um, you can imagine. Um, and I spent quite a bit of time in that realm, although I have no idea how much, but it seemed like I had been always there. Um, it's sort of like a place where I was extremely familiar with and I had been before. And to me, it's like home. It's it, 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 it felt like home. Every part of my being expanded in that realm. Um, and I, many things were answered for me. Um, I saw many things in that realm and I was sort of cleansed of a lot of things in that realm. And once we were done, or once I had had sort of my fill of that realm, my guide had indicated we were going to travel. And so we came out of the realm and we went on an adventure. Do you remember any of the answers that you got while you were there? In the white realm? Mm -hmm. Oh, absolutely. Um, I mean, where to begin? Um, in the white realm, you're you first of all it's you make a connection with your soul and something i understood while i was in this realm the soul is that perfect pure um part of us that never gets corrupted it never incarnates it's the spiritual form of the soul that actually incarnates into the physical but the soul resides in a realm in this white realm um always and you make a connection to your soul in this realm and your soul knows all it sees all it has no limitations it has no negativity it has no sadness your soul is at one with the entire spiritual realm. Would you consider your soul as your complete self? And then when yes, you come here, absolutely. you're just like a limited version of yourself? Absolutely. We're not even, this right here, and even our spiritual self is just a sliver of what I saw that the soul really is. Um, the soul is that, that being, it can never be corrupted. It can never be controlled. It can never be 
um, dominated. It can never be polluted. It is in the it is the purest of pure energy that resides in the spiritual realm. And that is why I really try to always make the distinction between a soul and the spirit um, when speaking about this, because there is a difference. And that spirit and this, Bina and you, we're just such a teeny tiny sliver of that soul. So are you saying that when we're here, this is our spiritual self animating yeah. a body or creating it? Absolutely correct. That is absolutely correct. And at some point I was shown the process of incarnation. My guide um, took me through quite a few of the steps and that's exactly what I saw. The spiritual, and there's beings that help um, facilitate this, but the, our spiritual part of our soul is sort of put into the physical fetus, the body. Um, and it's done through some mechanism that I don't even understand. I saw part of it, but certainly not a lot of it. But I do know that the pineal gland mm -hmm. has a lot to do with it. Um, and it seems like that houses that spiritual form or that spiritual essence of ourself. Um, but yes, to answer your question, yes. Did you learn why we even come here in the first place? Oh, yes, yes. But you have to remember for every of the billions of entities that's not only here on earth, but elsewhere, um, it's really at the soul's will and, and discretion to do that. Some of us do come to pay off karmic debts. Some of us just come to get an experience of what living is like with an affliction or an infirmity or, or with great wealth uh, or being super poor. I mean, there's so many reasons why uh, we choose to come here and no two are basically alike. We all had that unique soul agenda. Do you feel like the other side is just right here, like right next to us? It's just in a different dimension and we're here in a dream? You know, when you, at, yes to your first part. And when you say in a dream, it's, it's very real. Um, but it is, it is a real play. And we're real actors in the play. So it's not necessarily a dream, but it's, it, it is real in this dimension. Um, and yes, the, the spiritual world does operate or, or it contains this dimension. Um, but it's all very real. It's just, we're acting in a play. Some of my guests, well, actually a lot of them will say that it's more real on the other side, though. Uh, yes. Um, that is why, you know, I, I've, some of the people that say, well, how do you know it's real? Well, you, you can only really answer that if you've actually experienced that other side because it is more real, because you have to realize you're not confined to this dimension anymore. You're beyond that. You're cognizant of almost all the dimensions and there's infinite amount of them. So reality is the awareness of those different dimensions but what's behind those dimensions? Because I saw that there were things, existences even behind the different dimensions. Um, so I'm, I'm looking at this, this couch right now and right now it seems real to me, but on the other side, that couch 
or or like when I was on the bus, every everything looked almost see-through and would look see-through because it's made up of energy that is not that is only third dimensional energy when there's so many more dimensions. And like I said, as a when you're on the other side, you're aware of those different dimensions and you're cognizant of them. Do you remember some of the other dimensions and what they looked like? Yes, um, especially when I was taken out in space. It, it, it's funny because, you know, we look up at the sky and we see like from here, you know, we see the stars and and you know, maybe you'll see, I don't know, some debris or whatever. But when I was taken out there by my guy and I wasn't confined to just viewing things from the third dimension, I actually saw there were levels, there were dimensional levels and there was traffic traveling on those levels that I know for a fact I would never have seen um, through any telescope um, here. Um, and they're not solid as you and I would think they are. And they, they morph themselves into almost, they can morph themselves into almost any shape or structure that they want and need. Um, and it's funny because, um, I also, when I was out there in, in space, I saw souls traveling um, too. And there was like so much out there on different dimensions that we'll never see um, here. I don't, and even my guide told me that, you know, our telescopes will never be able to pick up the traffic that's out there. It may pick up a hint of it but it just, it's not equipped and it won't be equipped to pick up what's all out there. So as far as dimensions, that's sort of the best comparison I can give you. When you saw those souls traveling, what mm -hmm. do they look like? They were orbs uh, of different light and they weren't perfectly circular. Um, and some of them were streaking past so they they were maybe like flattened a little um <laughs> and having to describe it it sounds kind of silly but they were orbs and they were orbs of different colored lights um and not all the lights were the same there was there was some that you know were like a beautiful blue like a deep blue that I saw and others were yellow different shades of yellow um some of them like I said you know as they're going and traveling they're they were flattened their energy was flattened others were just not going as fast and they were not rolling but you could tell they were just taking their time and going, you know, at a leisure, leisurely type pace. It was fascinating because there's so many souls that travel out in space and we have no clue of that. So your guide took you on an adventure. Where did you go first? Well, first it was out in, right out into space. Um, and you know, I kind of was able to see, you know, different different things like the souls traveling, and you you could see the streaks from ships traveling. I guess they were ships. Some of them, um, some of them were stationary, humongous things, stationary. Um, and then my guide took us to um, said we were going to another world but not a planet it was a, it was another world but it was within our our galaxy and uh, of course i have no 
clue about astronomy, so I couldn't even begin to tell you where. Um, I did put a, a description that was given to me um, in my in the book, but it still wouldn't make sense to most people. But anyway, um, the first world we went to was there was this humongous structure out in space and it was glistening and it would look like a, I don't know if you've ever seen a chandelier that was made of nothing but crystals mm -hmm. or look, or look like a kaleidoscope of crystals that just, sometimes it was transparent. And then some, when it moved, you could see the, the lights glistening off of it. Well, that's what the structure looked like. And it wasn't spherical. It was constantly moving because the beings that occupied this ship or structure um, could actually manipulate this structure. Um, they weren't, uh, they were humanoid, but they weren't solid humanoid. They were, they were also made of the same type of um material or or uh, biospheric uh material that this structure was made of and and as i'm saying this to you jeff i'm kind of laughing to myself because i know it how insane it sounds not to me oh good <laughs> but um these beings they were they had sort of a humanoid shape when i did finally or could tell but that's no other uh, comparable characteristics um they had vertical slits for eyes and that was all that was on their face they did have ears but they were tiny the size of maybe like a nickel or a quarter um no sex whatsoever. You couldn't tell if it was a male or female. And they were, you know, um, and now that it's the first time I'm thinking about it, but if you've ever watched the, the movie Predator and when the Predator goes incognito and, and goes into that invisible mode, mm -hmm. that's sort of how these beings looked almost all the time. They never had any um they 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 didn't go back and forth they sort of just stayed like this but they could manipulate their forms um as they needed to inside their ship or their this structure thing and they were they provided like a security for that section um, of the space it's almost like their energy but a little bit more solid Exactly, exactly. But much more on the energy side. And to be honest with you, at the age that I was seeing them, Jeff, I could not relate to them. And I, I was, I mean, of course, I, I've kicked myself many times since then. But I was very not interested in them because they were so alien. They were so different. Um, I just was not really that interested in them. And so that visit to them was very brief. And my guy took us to another world <laughs> with a little bit more relatable type beings. What were they like? This was a, a marine world. Hmm. And there was no, very little land on top of the world um on top of the surface rather but underneath it was just <sighs> there were all types of creatures jeff uh, there were mermaids but different forms of them there were um beings that or creatures that were like seaweed but extremely um intelligent and and cognizant um and you had your 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 whales your, your dolphins your your fish but then you had fish with like almost human type heads um it was so many different type of creatures underneath 
Um, my guy, when we first went under the water, we we could we weren't visible. And then my guide sort of did something with its energy and we became visible. And I guess that was so that we could have the company of some of these creatures so I could see what they look like. And and they saw us and and all different types came towards us. And let me tell you, honestly, I mean, I was a spiritual being and I was in my guide's cloak, um, but they were still scary as heck. They were scared. Some of those mer creatures were scary looking. They were very ferocious looking. Um, some of them had like openings on their faces where they breathed. Um, some of them had them down their backs. Some of them had octopus type of legs. Some of them had the typical mermaid tail. I mean, there were so many varieties of them. The albino ones that I call albino, um, they had nothing, no, no hair, no anything on them. Um, and, but the, the scariest thing with them was the, the slitted eyes that were like red. Um, these creatures were quite different. And I, you know, it, it's funny because um, it wasn't until years, years later um, that the Harry Potter books came out and I, in the books, you know, she talked about, you know, some of the mermaids or whatever. Um, and I saw more varieties than what was in the movies for them. But I remember reading someone saying, oh, geez, like, this is too much. Mermaids aren't real and they don't exist. And I'll never forget that because I've seen them. They exist. They're very real, very real. And I was actually told by my guide that this world we went to, a lot of the creatures from this world were placed here eons ago. Um, and I, I believe it because um, I saw like dolphins there. They were bigger than ours um, and they were a little bit different color. But, and some of the whales, um, there was manatees. I saw manatees. I'd never seen a manatee. I had no clue what a manatee looked like ever. And it wasn't until years later that I, I drew a correlation with what I saw and what Florida has, the mm -hmm. manatee. Um, but yeah, it's fascinating. I've that world, by the way, I was interested in. I'm sorry, can you say that again? That world I was interested in. I've had about three or four guests describe a place similar to that, and usually we call it the water planet, but ah. you've given me the most description if it's the same place ever. Ah. Now, you said that they were scary. Is that just an appearance, or did you feel threatened by no, them? No, I never felt threatened. Um, I didn't feel threatened. I felt more of a curiosity from them. Um but their appearance is is frightening to us yes but they never once um showed any hostility I, and it's funny because i'm not sure when we were underwater we were still orbs of light but our but the light was more of a huge very huge almost oblong type of bubble my guide, like I said, expanded its orb, and that's how we became visible. So I'm not really sure how they saw us, but judging from their reaction to us, they were much more curious than frightened or or hostile. I'm going in a little bit of a different direction here, but okay. do you think that that's why aliens don't show themselves to us is because we would think that they're too scary absolutely um 
Absolutely. Um, but I, I do happen to know from what I was shown, they are really the facilitators behind mostly everything here. Um, what and do I'm you, so sure a lot of people are going to say, yeah, right. What uh, do you mean by that, that they're the facilitators? I, I believe that this is not our earth. I believe this is belongs to certain races of beings. And we're just sort of like guests, tourists almost. Um, I believe that they allow us free will, but up to a certain extent. I believe that they allow certain things to happen, but they do have hard and fast lines. Um, but yeah, this is definitely their world. This isn't our world. And it just kills me when people say, oh, you know, maybe they exist, but I doubt it. You know, they do exist. They're here. They're out there. They're, they're everywhere. Where did you go next? So after, um, that visit, um, I was brought back to the white realm. Um, and then I was, I, I was given what I refer to like as a teaching session. Um, and I was shown many things, um, about different facets of life. Um, and here's a, a little funny, sort of funny story, although it wasn't really funny at the time. When we went back to the white realm, um, my guide had put up a screen and had showed me all the things that I had stolen when I was a teenager, each item, every item, because I had become like this little thief at the mall. And um, they were small things, but it, you know, it, it amounted up to a certain amount of money. And when I was shown this, I was kind of mortified and horrified, but I got no judgment from my guide or anything. They just showed it to me and that was it. Didn't tell me why or anything. And come to find out a couple of days into my trip in Italy, I was robbed of the exact amount that I, my guide showed me of the items I stole, the exact amount to the T. So I, I you know, put those uh, factors together and, and got the lesson out of that. Never stole since. But that's just a little side story. Um, but we, she came, it, well, not she, because there was no sex, but to my guide, but my guide basically showed me many different things about life and different facets of life. You mentioned earlier that when you were in the white realm, you were cleansed. Could you also say that you were healed there? I was definitely healed of a, a very severe case of, um, I was very, I had an inferiority complex um, growing up, a, a extreme one. And I was a little nervous. And as you can see now, I'm not really a shy or nervous person. And it's been like that since the NDE, but those things were cleansed from me. Um, I, was, I was healed of the inferiority complex. My confidence level grew. Um, there was a few other extremely personal things that I was healed of. Um, so yes, it was it was cleansing. It was informative. It was it was a bunch of stuff. It was amazing. After that, did you come back to your body? No, uh, not right away. Um, like I said, it was an extensive um, learning session. I, I was shown a lot of things. I, I won't even go into detail, but I was shown about um, autistic um, people, about the agenda that I spoke about earlier. Um, we all had, you know, an agenda. I was shown the levels from the soul on down. Um about karma, 
um, and how that works. And it's not really a negative thing, um, but the scales of the universe must always balance. I was shown about evil, why it existed. That's interesting. How it existed. Why does it exist? Well, the the short and sweet answer, um, Jeff, is that our soul has a connect to our subconscious. Um, when people ignore the the impulses from the subconscious, the subconscious goes into sort of a hibernation type mode, um, and it it bows out, so to speak. And so it's no longer giving you that that you're conscious uh, or you're, you know, this is not the right thing to do, or it's no longer giving you those good and bad feelings. And when that happens, the person is operating with no boundaries, so to speak. Um, and it's taken over by evil. And it does happen. Of course, it, it does not exist on the other side, but here it can exist and does, as, as we all know. All right. So you were there for quite a long time. Did you go anywhere else afterwards? Well, um, I wasn't necessarily taken anywhere else, but I was shown different things. Um Um, I, I was shown the outside of an abortion clinic. And you have to remember, this was way back before abortion was even really an issue like it is today. Um, but I was shown, you know, that abortion is not a an issue that we should be judging on because there is no death really involved with abortion. Um, the soul, the spirit will never incarnate or insert itself into um, a fetus that's to be aborted. So no death will ever occur um, like people seem to think. So it's it was like a non-issue. Um, at, at what point do you feel the spirit does enter the unborn baby? So when my guy was showing me about incarnating and going through the process of the steps, um, typically it goes in maybe right before birth. Sometimes though it's after. Um, in my case, I was, I came in four days prior to my birth and I was shown that I was in the cramped space and how that felt. But I also traveled back and forth before my actual birth. Perhaps then when women feel the babies kick in their belly, then it's just bodily reflexes that's it, happening. It is. It really is. Um, the The spirit typically, like I said, will rarely come in before right up until the birth. Um, and, you know, you have to realize that so many things, factors, um, play into that it was another thing that I was shown in the case of like a miscarriage the spirit has changed his mind and decided not to incarnate um, maybe because certain things happen within the mother and father's life and it withdrew so the the mother has a miscarriage and um I personally had a twin um that decided at the fifth month it was no it was not going to stay with me um but it's twin my son lived and he's fine um but you know i learned later and realized later that that twin that vacated during the fifth month um came in as my son's child one of my son's children hmm, interesting so, how did you learn about that I actually had a experience, uh, another experience um, with what they call the void. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. Well, we talk about it a lot. And a oh, lot of, okay. A lot of near-death experiencers go there or just go there. I I actually had a, the experience through, I call it through the void, but it was completely 
diff- separate and years apart from my NDE. You'd be probably a great person to ask because you've seen so many other dimensions. Where is the void? Is it like somewhere in between all the dimensions? So that's that's fascinating that you um, ask that, Jeff, because I believe the void is sort of a entry portal into the spiritual realm. I, as you know, or as you've probably heard, the void, when you first experience it, it is named the void for a reason. There's no sensory input. There's nothing. You're in a continuous state of nowness, but you felt like you've been there forever. And there's no, there's no light. There's no, there's nothingness. It's, it's literally nothingness. Um, But, and that's what it was initially for me, but then eventually it became something else. And I really think it's an entry into the spiritual world, but like a cosmic database. That's sort of the best way I can describe it. It's like a The, all the answers of the cosmic realm are are there to know, and you don't even have to ask. Like you just know. Like I'm still. This happened quite a few years ago, and I'm still processing information that I received from the void. I kind of feel like it's just this. Maybe it's like a bubble or something outside of everything, and maybe even outside of time itself. Oh, there's definitely no time. There's no. There's nothing. It's a, it's nothing. Well, initially it was nothing. And it can be very frightening at first because it's literally nothing. No, like I said, there's no sensory input whatsoever. There's not even darkness. If, if, if that makes sense. (laughs) A lot of guests describe it as being velvety. Does that make any sense to you? I could see that. Yes. Uh, I could see that. Sure. Velvety. Yes. But in the, in the, in the sense that Jeff, there's nothing, I mean, pure nothingness. And then, like I said, I believe it is the entry into this other realm um, of the spiritual world. Yeah, some of the guests will report being there, and then while they're there, they'll see far off in the distance a very tiny light that they either travel to or it draws them into it, and then they end up in another realm. That's fascinating. Um, my experience was I started becoming frightened because there, it is not, uh, pure nothingness. It's not even pure, it's just nothingness. But I I made a, a split decision, a, a decision in almost a nanosecond. I said, you know, I'm experiencing something. And although I was frightened, I said, let me just embrace this. And I did, I embraced it with my entire being. And that is when all this information opened up to me. I saw layers upon layers upon layers of information that, like I told you a few minutes ago, I'm still processing. Um, It's so much and you're outside of this nothingness and you're in a knowingness. And I didn't necessarily see a light that that person said they saw, but you see so many things on so many different levels. If we get back to your NDE, how did you come back? Well, the very last uh, part of the NDE was my guide took me to this beautiful expanse of land. And I, I just, I can't tell you it was a place that's over there or on the other side, but it, 
it, it seemed like it was just almost put there for me, but then there were other souls there that I saw. So I, I don't know how to say that maybe it was a place, is a place, but it was a beautiful um, piece of land and, and there was some water and there were these flowers, Jeff, that I can't even, like a, a mix of all different type of flowers we have here combined, but different distinct types and they were all alive. None of them were dead. And I even had an experience with this one where we sort of danced in like some type of ballet and we were just so in tune. Um, and the purpose of, of taking me there or having me go there, I, I understand now, <clears throat> was to show me how everything is so connected. Everything is just so connected. Um, and then once there, we were back, we went back to the white realm. And I was given some like instructions and some very wise sage advice and um, which I've tried to follow as best I could. And it has helped. And, um, and what is it? It was a bunch of things, but one of the main things my guy told me was make sure that I enjoy this life. That was one of the main things that was stressed to me. And also that perfection was not required of me or anyone here, because this is not, this earth is not a perfect world. There are perfect worlds I saw, but this isn't one of them. And we're supposed to mess up here. And so that was another bit of advice. I was going to make mistakes, but they would eventually merge into what was supposed to be. Um, and I guess probably the last thing was try to do whatever I do with love because love, you know, is energy and the spiritual realm our souls have mastery over this earthly realm. And when we do things with love, we connect. It's like that direct connect with our souls. And we can literally wipe out karma by doing that. And we can literally make a smoother path and by, by doing things with love. So that was probably the another great piece of advice I was told. Do most things with love. After that, did the guide tell you you have to go back or what happened? It wasn't. Um, I didn't ask to stay. I did not ask to stay. And I honestly, I've thought about that many times since then, Jeff. And I think the reason is because I saw why I came here and I knew that I wasn't done. So I had to come back. So it wasn't a question of do I have to go back or my guy telling me to go back? It was like, Hey, you're getting ready to be put back into your body. And that was just that it was understood. I was going back and I had no problem with that. And I, not that life's been like a bowl of, you know, roses or cherries, but I, I'm here for a reason. And it's my reason. So did you just wake up in your body and people never even noticed you were gone? Well, they didn't notice I had left, but it wasn't just a, a wake up in your body. It, it, there was some maneuvering that needed to be done. Um, your spirit has to come back into the body and it's not really like the easiest of um, processes. I, I, I'll tell you this. It was much easier popping out of it. Um, then going back into it, it felt like I was going through mud and it was hard to get a grasp on my physical body. I didn't feel the sensations of it right away and I didn't know how to move it and I couldn't move it right away. Um, and but. Eventually, you know, everything kind of clicked into place, literally clicked into place, and I it took me a while, but I was able to 
move. And I knew I was back in fully when I started feeling the jerking from the bus. And I said, okay, I'm back. And then when I opened my eyes, I literally couldn't see initially. And this film came down and I was able to see. But it, it was not an easy, like, boom, you're back in. No. And I was also told by my guy right before I went back in, I wouldn't never be so careless like that again with any pills because I wouldn't be saved. In other words, um, apparently some work had to be done on my heart um, because it went through some trauma, obviously. Um, so I wouldn't be saved, but that time it, it did heal my heart. When you came back from the void the other time, from being out of your body, was it just as difficult? I could not hear when I came back from the void. I heard nothing. I could see, but I couldn't hear anything. Um, and it's strange because, and I, I don't understand why, but right before I experienced the void, I did hear a buzzing in my ear. And then when I came back, I couldn't hear at all. And it took a few moments before my hearing came back. Um, and also, you're very extremely disoriented. It's a good thing for me. I was laying on the floor um, or else I think I would have just probably fallen over. What were you doing when you left your body that time? I was um, actually practicing some yoga poses. You know, nothing really intense. Um, nothing, you know, major, just stretching my back, I think. Um, but I heard that buzzing and, and it just comes over you. Your, 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 your mind is in that pit of nothingness. After your experience, have you noticed that you have any new mental abilities that could be considered psychic? Oh, absolutely. After the NDE, I was always pretty sensitive, but after the NDE, I could literally, um, how can I put it? If I focused enough, I could literally... hear or or sense a person's thoughts um i could see when people were lying um when they were telling the truth i could see information about them that was going to happen and to this day i still can but i have you know you only can do that that stuff with the best of intentions you can't use that type of thing to hurt or to invade someone's privacy or anything like that. So I definitely put a rein on that um, that type of ability. But yes, you, you're much more, your awareness is much more heightened. Do you feel that your experience made you more susceptible to leave your body? And that's why you left like that time when you were doing yoga? Probably, yes. Um, probably. I, But I also think... Um, that my spirit became a little untethered. Do you, do you know what I'm saying? A less, un, you know, when we're put here, when our, when our spirit is tethered to the body, um, it sort of helped tighten to place. So I think that the NDE and also the experience with the void sort of loosened that up a bit, loosened that connection a little bit. Because um, I can re remote view to a sense. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's eased it up a bit, eased up that connection. What inspires you about your experience? The fact that, you know, all of this basically is like planned. Um, and it's, I, I saw, <laughs> excuse me. <clears throat> None of this is haphazard. We plan so much of our life. It's it's not even funny. We're given parameters in which we can have sort of free will, but a lot of it is pre-planned. 
and we can move within those parameters. And it's just fascinating to me how to see it play out and to live. And I think that's why I have such a desire to live because I know everything resolves itself either here or when we're over there in a very loving way. It, it resolves itself. Um, and I've had some tragedies in my life, but even within those tragedies, I could see the love working behind the scenes. And so it's just fascinating to me. That's that's what does it. Do you think your NDE was pre-planned? Yes. And I was told it was. Why? Um, I asked the exact same thing and my guy would not reveal it. Uh, my guy just said that I would be, I would realize in the short, but mostly the long term. And this is the long term. And now I, I sort of get it now. It helped me to live. It helped me go through certain things, but also um, to write about it. It needed to be written, which I had never even thought about doing. So how many years later after your NDE did you finally write a book about it? Well, if I tell you that, then people are going to be able to figure out how. Oh, okay. But let's just say it's been a few decades. Do you feel like, but, I'm sorry. But I, I will say this. My guy did something at the very end, right before I was put back into my physical body directed this beam of light into my heart center. But it, it was more than that. It was like the entire memory of the NDE. And I know now that it that was the reason. I've never forgotten one detail about the NDE. Not one. And it's been many years. And I can still feel some things like it was yesterday. Are you still in touch with your guide? So I had an experience not too long ago because uh, after that, there was no contact, no nothing for decades. I would get maybe a little sign or if I would talk to my guide, maybe certain things would happen, but no really connection. And then I had a... Uh, minor operation to fix a deviated septum. And the surgeon gave me penicillin. I did not know I was allergic to penicillin at the time. So by the time I got to the hospital, I mean, to the pharmacy to get a refill on the pills, I just completely passed out right in front of the pharmacy tech, poor guy. Um, but anyway, I bolted out of my body really quick and my guide showed up. And it was a very brief visit, um, but it was it was wonderful. Um, so I know that they're still with me. What and, did he tell you? Well, honestly, um, not so much tell, but they sent me that same type of energy, but with a little bit more information. <laughs> um. And but they actually told me to make sure I put ice on my head because the fall was going to produce a bump. <laughs> and I didn't care about that because I wanted to go, but I wasn't going anywhere. Obviously, I'm still here. And I described that in the book, but it's it was it was a nice brief but good visit. Since I mentioned your book, what's the title and where can people find it? The title is My Near-Death Experience from A to Z, and it's available on any online um, store, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, um, and there's a Kindle and a paperback version. Do you have a website or a Facebook page? I do have a Facebook group. Um, there's some wonderful people in the group. Um and it's titled the same as the book, My Near-Death Experience from A to Z. If people want to reach out to you and ask you questions, should they do that in your group? They can do that in the group. Um, I've also placed an um, email address in the book. 
um, and it's my NDE from A to Z at gmail.com. Before we finish up, can you leave us with one last positive message? Absolutely, because there's so many. Just remember that, um, like my guide said, we're not here to be perfect. We are going to make mistakes, but those mistakes do merge into what is supposed to be. So basically, don't fret the small stuff. Go easy on yourself. Love yourself, but do everything you can just about with love. And it, it makes, it changes life, your life, and it changes things. Vina, thank you for that message. And thank you for being my guest. Oh, Jeff, thank you. And thank you for your wonderful style of interviewing. I just felt completely at ease. Thank you. And thanks for having me. Thank you. Thanks for watching the Jeff Mara podcast. I really appreciate you. Another way to show support is through YouTube memberships. And if you do, there are loyalty badges and other perks depending on your level of membership. All you need to do is click the join button underneath the video to find out more. Thank you for your support.